This is Claiming Your Voice with Janice Garrard. In this podcast, I feature guests with passionate stories of hope, inspiring others to claim their voice in a world where we can be bold together. Today, my guest is Angelica Perez. She is a graduate of the University of Northern Iowa with a bachelor's degree in biology. She is also studying medical lab science at Hawkeye Community College in Waterloo. She is aspiring to become a physician. Angelica's passions are science with interest in flunking, reptile, and research. Welcome, Angelica. I'm so glad to have you here today and to hear about you. Go ahead and tell us your story. Start from scratch. August 18th, 99. There I am. Um, I was born in New York. I was not raised there, unfortunately, but I do still have family there. I uh, grew up in South Carolina. That's definitely where the reptile stuff like stemmed. I forgot. I actually have a little lady with me here. Oh my goodness. What is that? It's a leopard gecko. <laughs> She's super, she'll just chill. I say that and then she'll probably jump off. But yeah, so I grew up in South Carolina. Definitely love for the outdoors. And I got to experience the beach in the mountains there. So it was amazing. Um, then when I was 15, my mom um, had already remarried at this point. My stepdad's family was from Iowa. So when I was a sophomore in high school, I moved to Iowa. 2015, yep. And then I graduated high school in 2017. And then I actually started out as um, a nursing major because I've always known that I wanted to be a physician, but I was like, "Mm, you know, maybe I should just do something that's more realistic for me. Um, And I'm glad I changed that path. Not that we don't need nurses. They're obviously vital to our healthcare system, but it it just wasn't for me. And I knew that's not what I wanted to do. So I transferred to the University of Northern Iowa and I, I definitely felt like I was able to bloom in terms of loving science, being passionate about what I want to be passionate about. I was able to do numerous research projects that I'm so thankful to be a part of. And it's definitely given me more hope that I can achieve whatever I want to achieve. So yeah, I'm kind of in the midst of post-bac work. I work at the University of Iowa currently uh, as a medical lab technician in the core lab. So uh, that's chemistry, hematology, um, coagulation stuff. And I absolutely love it. I love that environment. I know the hospital environment is a you know, for everyone. But I love being immersed fully in healthcare like that. I will say it's nice that I don't have to necessarily deal with all the clinical aspects of patient-to-patient contact um, because we definitely see some zebras at the U. So it's a lot of fun. I love it. Okay. I want to ask you about being biracial, okay, and your role, how that played into maybe your interest in science so if we could relate those, I mean, it's, it's a pretty far reach, but no, I don't think it is. I've definitely felt, I've been told many times I look racially ambiguous. So my mom is Jewish and Puerto Rican. My dad's Puerto Rican. So I'm like a mix of a bunch of things. I grew up Jewish, but I also like, I wanted to be a part of that culture, but I also wanted to be Puerto Rican. So it was hard in terms of, I wasn't Jewish enough in terms of like my grandparents, New York family, Mm -hmm. but I also wasn't like, I don't, I'm not fully fluent in Spanish. So it was very hard to kind of find a balance, but also proclaim that I am something. So it was very difficult in that aspect. But in terms of just being a woman in science is already a whole new ordeal. And then being biracial on top of that, I transferred from a really big high school in South Carolina to Iowa. And the high school I graduated from, I've made some amazing friends from there. But there was 43 in my graduating class, which is 
astronomically different than what I'm used to. I'm used to, quote, city life, just more populated areas. And I was the only diverse, like, I was the only ethnic person. That was really special. I had people make comments about it. I would say more belligerent, like they didn't realize what they were saying was racist. But I also, again, I'm Jewish. And so that turned into a whole nickname thing, which I was just like, whatever. Um, but it was hard. I definitely dealt with some racist people. Um, even when I grew up in South Carolina, that's the Bible Belt. So being Jewish, I had multiple people tell me, you are going to hell. Um, I had people that would try and convert me all the time. If I would hang out with friends and their parents, um, who usually were regular churchgoers, uh, they would make me go. When I was going to move, there was a girl who left a Bible on my porch with a cross necklace and wrote, like, I really hope you consider convert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so, don't know what to say. Oh my God. Yeah. I had my Star David necklace that my grandma bought me. Um, like my, it was stolen from me my freshman year of high school. And it was just, oh, I can't tell you. And I'm sure you know, as a woman being of, having intelligence and having high power it's hard but I'm also thankful for that and I don't feel like I need to sit here and speak on behalf of people who are biracial but I think it's also like we can do this it's amazing um the research projects that I did at the University of Northern Iowa uh, I definitely felt I've had professors tell me that I'm probably not going to be a doctor I had a professor who told me I think you're going to do great things. You're going to work in healthcare, but I don't think you could be a doctor. I don't think you have, like, I don't think you have what it takes. And I'm like, well, I could sit here and turn that into spite and be, you know, like, I'm going to show him, but like, I'm taking my time. I'm doing whatever I need to do. Um, I do feel like there was a very dense atmosphere of like men over women in science in general, but I felt like it was very much, nah, you know, whatever. She's just a woman it's whatever. I definitely felt pressure from all senses. Like, am I doing what I want, what I should be doing? Like, I don't want to misrepresent anyone in terms of like being a minority and being successful. There's a lot of guilt, which is, I feel like a strange thing to say, but I do feel like I'm like failing my community in a way if I don't do this. Um, but I, again, I am doing it for myself, but I feel, yeah, there's so many feelings behind it. And I think uh, people that I talk to, I think that what you're feeling is not uncommon because there's this pressure on us because of the way we look or where we're from. We're supposed to act a certain way and we have those identifiers. People say, oh, well, you're Asian, so you must be good at math. No, not. So then we tie that into, well, you're a woman. Well, you're this age now and you shouldn't be able, you know, it's time for you to retire. And I say, no, I'm never going to retire. And I guess, you know what, it's because I listened to a rabbi who said, don't ever retire. You're work is never done yes yeah. you know your work is never done we are put on this earth to work and to to serve others and it's not to uh, sit back and have a cushy retirement right yeah exactly and that's the thing too the work is never done my family always gives me a hard time because they're like why are you so busy like I can't you know you're really trying to be ambitious and I'm like no I'm doing everything that I want to do there's just so much to do I assure you yes I may get really tired and sorry to my friends who have to deal with me when I'm sleep deprived but what I am chasing after and everything that I'm doing like I feel fulfilled and I feel satisfaction so I'm going to keep doing that so I love to hear this that you're so motivated and that you do have a sense of that you're representing your identity of a woman of being Jewish of being a Puerto Rican yeah 
think that those are important things to recognize. I just had a conversation with a person yesterday who taught DEI to school teachers, said about, uh, well, colorblindness. People will say, well, we don't see color. We don't see you as this. And I said, if they say that they're colorblind and they don't see us who we are, they're denying us who we truly yeah. are, right? Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. So I guess, Angelic, I want to ask you then, what is your deep line passion about science? What is the message that you want to send to other girls about science, you know? Because like what you were saying, it's kind of a patriarchal, I mean, we live in a patriarchal world, you know? It's kind of like, yeah. let's let the divine feminine shine through. Yes, <laughs> you know? I've always felt that. Um, I've always felt that it's been so man heavy and it's not like me, myself, I'm going to walk into healthcare and I'm going to change everything right now. But even at the hospital I work at now, I walk around and I see the tag doctor and it's usually a male props to them. Being a doctor at all is hard, but I think it's important to also reassure the young women out there. Like we can still do whatever we want. The thing that I love about science is you may not want to hear the truth, but it tells you how it is. And the, the thing about science that like makes me want to go after medicine even specifically is like, there's no end to it. There's always something new you're going to learn. Why would I want to stop learning? I feel like medicine just goes hand in hand with that. And man, women, women have it better anyway. We know, like we know our anatomy better. We should have more female providers. I feel like there's so much, like I can't even like spit out what like, there's so much behind that question. I'm just like, there's like rage because I'm like, I hate being surrounded by only men and like the women are only nurses and that's what's expected of me. Like, I tell people I work at the University of Iowa and they're like, oh, you're a nurse. And I'm like, no, I'm not a nurse. <laughs> and not that that's a bad thing, but there's so much that we can do. And the lab that I work in is mostly ran by women. And the lab is amazing. There's There's so much. I can't even like, tell you where to start just I just yeah I was just gonna say I can tell by your expression that you have that you're passionate about this that uh you think maybe that women and I'm paraphrasing and I don't want to put words in your mouth but that women need to have their place in science to have that respect and that validation from the science community and maybe they don't receive that is that could I be fair in saying that yeah, look at Rose Rosalind Franklin, look at Henrietta Lacks, look at all those people. I feel like behind every at least decent person guy is an even better woman who is probably doing more of the work than he is. Everything behind science is named after a male doctor. Like you look at tests, I look at tests in the lab that are based off of this man who discovered it. And I'm like, I'm sure there's a woman who did that a while ago. And that's not even to be like, you know, presumptuous you know, I'm going to take the credit for everything, but it's true. And as you know, being biracial, there's so many things that have been taken from, you know, minorities in general, and science is definitely one of them. And that's also the other branch of science that I really enjoy is science is the truth. And I want to educate that. And my favorite thing is putting puzzle pieces together and, you know, saving lives because a lot of times, like, and this delves into a whole other thing with um, healthcare and minorities, but I feel like there's a really big distrust with minorities and healthcare. And that is another bridge I want to gap 
is to educate on both sides, how healthcare should be dealing and handling minorities and how we should be educating and patients should be getting the education. They deserve just as much as everyone else does. So there's so many, there's so many paths that I'm just like, oh, I'm so angry about it in a good way. Like this is what I, this is what I wanna pursue, but women absolutely have beyond a place. We're beyond overdue for our place in healthcare and science. And, everything. and that brings to mind, I just had read an article the other day about how Black women are not treated equitably when they go to their doctors. And I thought, yes. you know what, I almost, <laughs> I'll just say it. I feel like I have maybe faced some of that myself and just oh, because yeah. of the places that I've lived and the maybe the biases. I want to bring up this story because I think it would be a good place to share it, was that when I used to be a teacher a long time ago, there was a student of ours that had was pregnant. And she, when she delivered, I went to see her in the hospital. And I remembered there was a woman across the hall who was Mexican, did not speak English. And the nurse was speaking so loudly to her, when is somebody going to come and pick you up? You have to get out of here. And I thought, you know, I was thinking about that the other day, and it just made my heart so sad. Because here we have a, a mother with a newborn life being treated so shabbily because she couldn't speak English, <laughs> you know, because of who she was, you know. I can't tell you how, like, emotional situations like that make me. Because, first of all, people should have respect for people who are attempting to learn English. English is the hardest language to learn. It is incredibly hard. Speak to anyone who is not from here learning English. There are many people at the University of Iowa. Um, I have a student in my class who sometimes I'll help him out because he's from Africa. He's from Sudan. And he's like, how do you pronounce this versus this? Because I learned it a different way. He speaks three languages. Like I hate when they, it's condescending, like, oh, you don't understand this? No, just give me a second. I know I'm trying to, I have three different languages I'm trying to process. And there was a time and uh, I worked in a pharmacy and I made sure I went out of my way because there's a woman who needed an antibiotic. And the first person who like helped her at the counter, just like put it in and she, the woman didn't have any insurance. So she was going to charge her retail price for this antibiotic. And so I went out to her and I was like, no, let me handle this. So I pulled up a coupon for her and she's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was a thing. She spoke Spanish. Um, so I went out there and like translated and I'm like, told the other worker, I was like, I can, I'll ring this up for her. Cause they just get taken advantage of all the time and it's not fair. And they're working just as hard as we are, even harder if they're learning another language and being a minority, just trying to literally live their life. The least you could do is respect someone. It just, it makes me so upset. And a lot of my family speaks Spanish and I know people of every country, they get mocked, you know, I'm sure being of uh, Asian background, you know, all <laughs> yeah. the time. especially now, gee, oh man but just mocking um, Hispanic people for being, you know, having the dialect that they have. And it's very frustrating. And it's also incredibly frustrating when like Asia alone has like what, 40 countries. So I have a friend who's from Pakistan. Who's like, yeah, I'm Asian. And people are like, no, you're not. Yeah, it's like me when I'm like, yeah, I'm Hispanic. Um, they're like, oh, are you from Mexico? I'm like, no, I'm from Puerto Rico. And they're like, oh, how is it the same thing? Like, I know I'm not I'm like, they're like oh so you're Mexican and I'm like oh my gosh like people just are belligerent and that's sad 
defense and refuse to learn, which is mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating. And I think sometimes, you know, like if people are asking questions, even if they're um, what we may say is, oh, that really sounds dumb or ignorant. It's like, at least they are trying to find out, I say, if it, I mean, and if it's asked in the right spirit and and not with meanness, you know, Angelica is just sitting here with you and talking like this. I'm thinking if our next generation of women are like you, we are going to be in fantastic hands because you want to bridge these gaps between people to bring understanding. And I think, you know, there is something going on on this planet, I think, that where people are becoming more aware. And even though there are going to be pockets of not so nice people, I think there is becoming a more awareness of people who want to be kind. Yes, I can't. That makes me so like, I can't even tell you like how happy that makes me. I'm not sitting here to be like, look at me, guys. I'm a minority woman doing it. But also look at me, guys. I'm a minority woman who came up from a bad upbringing and like, we can do this. Like I said earlier, I can't even begin to articulate like how much love I feel for what I do and how much I want to keep doing it. And I mean that genuinely, because again, there's just so many problems. There will never be an end. And I feel like it can at least start with one person. And I agree. I think there really is a, I think there is an awareness coming around that kindness is like a real thing that will get you very far. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely get it from my dad where, you know, he had a very, very difficult life. And even on his worst days, he was the kindest person I knew and was always helping people. And I'm like, I should it should always be reciprocated. You said that you had a rough time in childhood. Do you want to yes. talk a little bit about that? How in depth would you like me to go? Because I I definitely grew up like low income um, in a house with like abuse and all of that. Whatever you want to okay. share is fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh gosh, I don't even know where to start. Like what? at what point would you like me to start, I guess? Where do you feel comfortable talking from what place? South Carolina was pretty significant. Um, I've always had, I've never had like a well-blended family. There's always been, um, there's always been a sort of flakiness when it comes to parental figures, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people are in and out of the house. There wasn't really a stable income at times. So like our water would get cut off or like we'd have to figure food out somehow else or so we had a very unstable household I have two younger brothers and I love to take pride that my youngest brother will say I raised him it definitely got pretty significant from there but also when I got to Iowa just because of the big move and then my stepdad lost his job and his health deteriorated very poorly mixing that with alcoholism and drugs it was just a very bad mix obviously so it was pretty it was pretty difficult I got CPS called um not even I meant to but from a guidance counselor who was like picking up on things for me that I wasn't trying to give out but you know trauma gives away and in certain it manifests differently in people so like it kind of got around but I was trying to keep it you know low-key because you know kids who grow up in a hard household in the beginning like you think that it's just how the house is that's it and then you get older and you're like oh my gosh no like people can't know about this you have a reputation about yourself when you you know separate church and state when you're here you you are a different person than when you go home so um it was very hard 
it was also very hard. I didn't realize that like not everywhere, but like the smaller town, a lot of people had, you know, more access to funds. And so everyone drove to school. I didn't. And so that was just like one of the things, like I was on free lunch and people were like, oh my gosh, you know, who is this person? So I definitely felt pressure from that. Um, like people would go on these field trips and I wouldn't be able to go. I wasn't going to bother asking my mom. So growing up financially struggling was like a whole new thing in itself. And it definitely has followed me into adulthood just because you're given, I'm hardly given a deck of cards. So now this is what I'm dealt well, what can I do with, you know, these cards? So yes, <laughs> with that, I've made poor decisions, but I'm glad that I came up as bad as it sounds. I'm really glad I get to know the value of a dime to a dollar. And I take pride in every paycheck that I earn. And I moved out when I was 17, no looking back. And I've been supporting myself since then. Um, so it's been hard, but I'm glad I was able to remove myself. So I was, a, I'm able to claim I worked hard enough to remove myself from that situation. And I can see now with that backstory that your passion for what you are good at, the field of science is um, kind of like that catalyst, maybe that helped you along the way through school. Absolutely. Absolutely. I Yeah. My senior year, I was working three jobs. I was like trying to balance I have some health issues, which has also stemmed me <laughs> to healthcare as well. Um, I was working three jobs, doing research, taking 20 credits, and it was insane, but I love it because I know that I was able to put myself there and I was able to get myself through school and like what I'm doing is what I'm in charge of. So I would definitely say I've had multiple jobs in healthcare and all of them, good day or not, it's still fulfilling. So that gecko is sitting on your shoulder and it did not move. Yep. <laughs> I was distracted by that, but okay. you, that you had other jobs in healthcare. So you, you're a lab scientist and you started off in nursing. And then what else have you done? A pharmacy technician and then CNA home healthcare worker. I did that as well. And I just encourage a lot of people, men and women, to be a CNA, that that's challenging. I never did that myself, but I took a semester of nursing and I thought this isn't for me. So I went back to teaching. And I'm, I'm honestly glad I did it too. It taught me something I didn't realize I didn't have enough of. And that was patience because wow, any healthcare provider should just have just a few months as a CNA to mm -hmm. truly realize um, it's pretty gruesome. And during the pandemic, it was just as gruesome. It was pretty nasty, but it truly taught me incredible things and the residents that I got to work with and the things they taught me and being able to provide for them was really, really, really fulfilling and endearing. Yeah, the pandemic was truly a nightmare with that. But yeah, I agree. I think everyone should go. Yeah, be it was a bad time. I'm sure it was very challenging in healthcare during that time. Because I mean, it was kind of a, it was a scary time, you know, because we yeah. weren't sure of what was going on. So I don't um, think we still know sometimes, but yeah. Well, this has been great. You know what? I hope that we can get together. I see our time is almost up, but get together again, because I would like for you to talk about your research studies and also come back and 
really talk about maybe some plans that you have to help promote science among minority females and how to get them interested in science, breaking down those barriers and shattering those beliefs. Because I think sometimes there is a belief that, well, first of all, women aren't supposed to be in science, and we kind of touched on that. But I think also there's that uh, maybe that belief about, is there room for minorities in science and at those top levels of healthcare that aren't just being a custodian in a hospital or a healthcare facility, and it's not just being a CNA, that minorities and women can, what do I want to say, have a more diverse career field within within the sciences. So yeah. that's what I would like to talk with you again sometime. Yes, absolutely. I I apologize. I feel like I hardly touched on little things and I'm like oh yeah and this makes me mad and oh yeah because they're really it's it's never ending I'm sure you know this as well especially being a teacher I can't imagine and you know how important education is and it's just there's just so much (laughs) there is so much I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us Angelica and we'll have you back because I want to have you as a a guest to show the progression and what you're doing Oh, yes, that'd be great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.